Welcome to the South Plains Church of Christ podcast. To stay up to date on what's going on and how you can be involved, visit southplains.info. I pray that this message reveals God's truth and love to you today. Let's dive in. Well, intertwined throughout the, uh, the songs we've been singing this morning is ideas of of joy and, and faithfulness, and it's interesting how they, they intermingle in there. I want us to think about that just a little bit this morning. Faithfulness is not just reliability. Think about that. It, to be reliable, uh, be consistent, to be ever-present, to be trustworthy. But reliability alone doesn't make faithfulness. It also has to be truthful. With, the, with truth, the goal is to be consistently good not bad, right? And so we can be reliably bad. That, that would be faithful as well, but that's not the kind of faith, faithfulness we're talking about. We need to be reliably good and reliably truthful. We begin a new series this morning out of the, uh, the letter that Paul wrote to the church located in the city of Philippi. And the theme in that letter is joy. God is faithful in giving reliable joy, and it's reliable because it's rooted in his truth. That, that's why his joy is not fleeting but lasting, how we sang about it earlier. God's joy is what we need, not necessarily what we want. God's joy is perfect. It never leads us astray because God is faithful. He always does what he says he will do, and it's always good. So as Paul writes this letter with the theme of joy, we've got to remember that he was imprisoned, probably in Rome at this time, when he wrote this letter. God's, uh, and the reason he's writing this letter is to thank them for the gifts that they have given him of support and their unity and the partnership with the gospel, kind of like, kind of like uh, Randy prayed earlier, the joy that we find in, in being together and doing together. And this is arguably the, the healthiest church that Paul planted, the one in Philippi. Philippi was this large Roman city located in north, what, modern Greece, northern uh, Greece today. It was, a, it was a diverse city. It was a, a city that had a complex religious environment, a multicultural city, uh, religious practices from Egypt and, and Rome and, and, and Greek, all, all mixed together. It was a very cosmopolitan city. And Paul writes to encourage the followers of Jesus living in the midst of that city, Philippi. And his encouragement is that they would continue to seek God's joy. To continue to seek God's joy. When, we, when we're in a culture where things seem to be working against us, when we live in a culture where things seem to be bad, the encouragement of Paul is to continue seeking God's joy. And, and there's three things I want you to catch out of this, this first chapter as we look at it this morning. And the first one is that faithful joy is given by Jesus and it is cultivated through his church. I want to begin reading in verse 6 of chapter 1 where Paul says he's confident of this, that he... God, who began a good work in you, will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. 
It is right for me to feel this way about all of you since I have you in my heart and whether I'm in chains or defending or confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. Faithful joy is complete. What God starts, He completes. What He begins, He finishes. God God is not a halfway God. God, once He has you, as the song we sang earlier says, He never lets you go. He will complete His work in you. And so Paul's joy is not only derived from this relationship that he has with Jesus, but also his partnership with Jesus' church. And he uses that word partner or partnership to talk about the Philippian church. The Greek word is koinonia. We may f- be familiar with that. It's often translated fellowship, but that often gets caught up into a potluck or a, a hall. But it's much more, it's much more than that. It's much more than friendship. It's friendship, but it's but it's more. It carries this idea of sacrificing together for the gospel. Our friends, our partners. Our brothers and sisters in Christ are on mission together, and that is this idea of of partnership. The healthiest churches, inwardly, are the ones that are focused outwardly. That's exactly what the Philippian church is like. That's what all churches need to be like. That's what we need to be like here at South Plains. That's, That's why we talk about Uh, being a church for the unchurched because you're healthiest on the inside when you're focused on the outside, on other people outside. I spent some time last night with our Celebrate Recovery ministry, uh, which is a a great team of people. And and it's a healthy team because they're focused on others and uh, and helping others. And and they're doing a a wonderful work there. And we're part of that. They're partners with us in doing that. We want, why is that true? Well, it's because we want other people to hear about Jesus. Healthy Christians, happy Christians, share the gospel, not hoard it, not keep it to ourselves. If you want faithful joy, you must find it in Jesus. Now, that's good news for you and me because you're a sinner and I'm a sinner and and, and as sinners, we've offended God and it separates us from God. And, and, we, and we deserve to be separated from God because of our sin. But God is rich in mercy. God, God is faithful in love. God wants to lavish His grace upon us. And since God loves you, which is why Jesus came, why He died on the cross for you, why three days later He was raised to prove that He gives us eternal life, If we accept his call on us, placing our confidence and trust in him, submitting to his lordship, he becomes our Lord and Savior, and we experience this grace that only God can give. This is where we find our joy, in the good news of Jesus. To rely on this joy, it has to be cultivated in the church. We're saved by Jesus, but joy is cultivated in his body through sacrificing together and being on mission together, being partners together in fellowship. Faithful joy is given by Jesus, but it is cultivated through his church. Secondly, I want you to realize that faithful joy finds opportunities even when everything around you is broken. The Philippian church had heard that Paul was imprisoned and 
he was in a really difficult spot, and so they sent a messenger named Epaphroditus from the church in Philippi, and when he gets to Paul, he expresses to Paul the church's sincere, genuine regret. Oh, Paul, we're so sorry that this has happened to you. But what does Paul say to that? He says, no, 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 this is actually good. Verse 12, I'll pick up with that. Now, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. Yeah, yes, I'm in jail, but, uh, but I, I have a captive audience every day for the good news of Jesus. As a result, he goes on in verse 13, it's become clear throughout the whole palace guard and everybody else that I am in change, chains for Jesus Christ. Paul mentions joy 16 times in this letter. Why? Well, Paul's world is broke. Our world is broke. But the gospel is not. And what we tend to view as, as hindrances, God is able to use to advance his work. When we feel out of commission, God is actually providing opportunities. And there are two results from Paul's imprisonment that advance the gospel. The first one, as I mentioned, the good news of Jesus spreads among the Roman soldiers. Now, this is a diverse group. They're not all from one place. They're not all from Rome. They're, they're from all over that empire. They're, when they go back home to family, they're all over the map. And, and they represent all kinds of, of, of people. And the second result is that others are encouraged to tell the good news because they've been inspired by what has happened to Paul. In verse 14, it says that they are confident in the Lord now. And he says some are sharing this good news message out of good, genuine motivation, and, and some are actually sharing it out of a bad motivation. And I love what Paul says in verse 18. What does it matter? <laughs> what does it matter? What the motive is, the important thing is, and in every way, from false motive or true, Christ is preached. Jesus is, is announced. And because of this, Paul says, I, I rejoice. We want people to hear about Jesus. The word translated advance in the NIV here in, in the verse 12 is literally the idea of blazing the trail like an army. But before an army can advance, somebody has to go and blaze the trail in front of them, make progress. So Paul is telling us that your unpromising situation, this is not a good situation, may just be a God-given gift. Your unpromising situation today may just be a God-given gift to those around you because God is calling you to blaze a trail. And Paul said in verse 13, it's become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everybody else that I am in chains for Christ. I'm a prisoner, first of all, I'm a prisoner of Jesus Christ. Only secondly am I a prisoner of the government of Rome. Paul knows that God works through the undesirable. And he knows that God is an eternal optimist. So Paul can look up and see good things even while he's imprisoned. So how can we have a Paul's positive attitude like this? How can we have his joy? How can his joy influence others? How can we be trailblazers? Well, ask not, why did this happen to me? But rather, how can God use this for his purpose? 
How can I have a positive outlook about this? Well, Paul picks up and continues in verse 20. Some of the most loved words in Scripture. He writes, I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, my life, whether by life or by death, whether I live or whether I die. For to me, to live is Christ. To die is gain. To die is even better. Paul, now, you have to step back. Because some thought, well, Paul's kind of having a death wish here. No, no, no. Paul loved living. Paul looked forward to the adventure of each new day following Jesus, and he wanted his entire life to reflect Jesus to the world. He had this joy-filled life, even though he went through some terrible things. Living is not fortune, because that leads to greed. Living is not power, because that leads to corruption. Love is not good looks, because that leads to vanity. Love or living is Jesus, he says. If we live for Jesus, then dying is gain because we get to go be with Jesus. But here's the problem. Sometimes we don't have the attitude or the grit to advance the gospel of Jesus Christ. And you cannot experience faithful joy without working for the advancement of the gospel. So if you're lacking joy, if you're struggling with joy, then let's ask the question, well, why does my life lack joy? And the answer, well, let me answer it with another question. When was the last time you shared Jesus with anybody? And if you're thinking, well, it's been a pretty good while, then maybe that's the reason you're lacking joy. Here's how this chapter continues, verse 22. Paul said, if I'm to go on living in the body, that'll mean fruitful labor for me. Yet, what am I going to choose? I, I don't know. I don't know, Paul says, I don't know really which is better. I am torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far, better for me anyway. But it is more necessary for you, it's better for you, for your sake, that I remain in the body. It's better if I continue to live. Convinced of this, he wrote, I know that I will remain and I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith. I, that I'm going to be here to help you grow and experience the joy of your faith. So that through my being with you again, your boasting in Christ Jesus will abound on account of me because of what he's doing through me. Verse 27, whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ as citizens of the kingdom of God. Then whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in one spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel without being frightened by, in any way by those who oppose you. This is a sign to them that they'll be destroyed, but that you'll be rescued, and that, and that by God. For it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him. Since you're going through the same struggle you saw that I had, 
and now here that I still have. Well, I want to wrap this up by talking about a challenge. The challenge to advance the gospel. And, and, and there are three ways here to, to advance the gospel through this kind of faithful joy that God gives. And the first one is this, to make a commitment never to retire spiritually. In verses 21 through 24, Paul faces a battle with this same dilemma and a resolution that we all, have, that we all face. The dilemma is obvious. It's obvious that it's better to go be with Jesus. We're all headed that way. That is our faith. That's our ultimate desire to go and be with Jesus. But that doesn't mean we have to resign ourselves to die. The resolution is that there is still work for me to, to do. Paul says in verse 21 that, that there's fruitful work for me. The church needed Paul. And the church, frankly, needs you. There's work for you to do. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ and you're still breathing, the church still needs you. A faithful attitude means you never retire spiritually. There's always more to be done. And so here's the charge. God can call you home at any time. I, I, think, I think in these days in the last two years that maybe we sense this more than we've sensed it ever before. That God can call you at home at any time. And he can call you home at any age. For in just the past few days, we've had one we've known who's near 70 leave this earth. And I, I have, have one, I remember it still as a teenage kid at 45 left this age, both by COVID, but they're gone. Which tells me you're never too old and you're never too young. But we need the experience of the older generation. And we need the energy of the younger generation. We need everybody in the church working together. This is, this is the challenge that Paul gives. And here's Paul's dilemma. Will he care more for his own preference? I desire to be with Jesus. Or will he care more for others? To remain in the flesh is better for you. He concludes, God is going to keep me here because it's not about me, it's about others. When you and I value our own preferences over other people's souls, we, we dislodge a cornerstone in our life. And so, if you're still alive today, your work remains unfinished. You don't retire from the church. You, don't res you, you should desire to do what God has called you to do if you're still living because obviously he still has place for you. Make that commitment. Secondly, develop the confidence to stick with optimism. You know, explorers never set sail <laughs> with pessimism. The people who have discovered things didn't go out with pessimism. They have optimism of discovering new things or new ways. And leaders don't challenge people with pessimism. You, you, you don't want somebody leading with, well, come on, I guess we're all going to die. <laughs> well, come on, I guess we're not going to make it. I guess we're all going to fail. Let's go do it together. That's not, that's not leadership. Leaders have optimism. Optimism takes people 
to a better place, leads them into better relationships. That's the definition of leadership. You should be the greatest eternal optimist ever because God will rescue people. And he does it through the message of Jesus Christ. Psychologically, pessimists always see the worst. Philosophically, pessimists always assume that evil will prevail over God, which is what Keith was talking about, struggling with. This can't be right. That's not how we should live as followers of Jesus, with pessimism. It's easy in a world like ours today to get caught up in pessimism and to get over, over, overwhelmed with pessimism. And yet Paul was confident in God's faithful joy. He was an eternal optimist. And he said so in verse 25, 26. I am convinced that I will remain alive so I can continue to help all of you grow and experience the joy of your faith. Paul was going to serve them all the way to the end, even if it was from prison. And since Paul equated living with Jesus, he went about serving others with great optimism and confidence, not skepticism, not cynicism, not negativism. We should be known, the church of Jesus Christ should be known for our eternal optimism, not our spiritual cynicism or our theological uh, negativism, we, we have every reason to be confident in Jesus Christ. So never retire spiritually. The challenge to stick with optimism and then finally have the determination to stand unified. Verse 27 brings these commands about being unified as, as the church. The, the broad concern is that you live a life worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But the specific concern revolves around unity. Verse 27, stand firm in one spirit. In one accord or contending together, working side by side, striving together, he says, as one for the faith of the gospel. The phrase in one accord or strive together literally means as one person. The body of Christ. Not... Not the bodies of Christ, but the body of Christ as one person working together. And he uses two metaphors. The word stand and as one person is a, is a military, Roman military term. It talks about unity, harmony in the ranks. And that's, that's what the church is supposed to be. And in one accord or, or striving together is a Greek reference to the athletic games that akin to our Olympic games now, of all working together as a team towards one goal. Synchronized swimmers, I guess is what it is. How do they do that? I'm watching, I'm thinking, how in the world do they do that? Um, I, don't, I guess I was so interested, I delved, tried to figure it out, but it's just amazing how all of those swimmers together, all on the same beat, on the same pattern, uh, at the same spot, doing the same thing at the, as a team. A common goal. What is the goal of the church? Well, it's the goal of any church of Christ. For the faith of the gospel, Paul said. The advancement 
of the kingdom of God, the furtherance of the good news of Jesus, to see people redeemed by the grace of God, to see the good news of Jesus go forward. And that's work. It isn't easy. We're told in verse 29, Paul said, we will suffer for Jesus and we will struggle for him. We're told that suffering and struggling can pull you away from God. You've known people. You may be that person that the struggle has pulled you away from God. On the other hand, that same struggle and suffering can pull you closer to God. When Peter and John in Acts chapter 4 stood before the Jewish court, the Sanhedrin, the court looked at them and told them that it was fine to do good works, that it was good to help people, but you are not allowed to talk about Jesus. Do good, help people, but don't mention the name of Jesus. And what was their response as they faced imprisonment or death? Well, Luke tells us in Acts 4, verse 20, they said, well, we're unable. We're unable to stop speaking about what we've seen and what we've heard. We will not stop speaking about Jesus, our Savior. We will not stop engaging other people and leading them into a relationship with Jesus and celebrating that because that is who we are. That is why we exist. That is our goal and mission. When you struggle, church, it does not mean God has turned his back on you. In fact, he might just be giving you the opportunity of a lifetime. The opportunity to answer God's call of Jesus saying, follow me. The opportunity to embrace fellowship, partnership with one another in this congregation to say, I want to be a part of, of this congregation's goal and where they're headed. An opportunity to change or to keep your perspective on Jesus. Faithful joy finds opportunities even in everything broken around us when we keep our eyes on Jesus. And we're going to close singing that song this morning. Let's stand together as we do so. Thanks for listening. Again, I want to encourage you to visit southplains.info. There you'll find event calendars, important announcements, ways to give, and to request prayer. Thank you for joining us.